You're listening to a Southern Star Media Production. Hello and welcome to the Southern Star's Coronavirus Podcast. I'm the news editor, Siobhan Cronin. And I'm reporter, Kieran Amani. Each week on our podcast, we talk to the people at the centre of the COVID-19 pandemic in West Cork and beyond. We will also take a look at that week's newspaper and how our reporters are covering the pandemic and some other news too. And uh, this week also we have some new music from the West Cork-based Covid Collective and they'll be singing uh, the John Martin favourite, uh, May You Never. Great. And also in this week's podcast, I will be talking to Neil McCarthy of Cork Airport about how the airport has reopened flights and the procedures they've put in place to cope with COVID-19 restrictions. But first, Kieran, let's take a look at this week's paper. And on page one, I have a story which is co-byland with Jackie Kill about the tourists coming back to West Cork because uh, since uh, earlier this week, we've had the lifting of restrictions so people could go beyond their own county. So I think it's been pretty well recognised that there have been quite a lot of... Uh, non sea registered cars some non-irish cars in the region and so we're just saying how people are welcoming everybody back but they're just being a little bit cautious and unfortunately the wearing of masks still isn't that common in west cork when you compare it to you know the pictures of supermarkets in dublin and, and other cities so hopefully everything will go well and then just added fears from some of the islands in west cork because with the exception of one, they have remained COVID-free yeah. and yeah. They want, you know, the onslaught of tourists, which they do get normally every year, to bring any infections with them. So I suppose that's just something to keep an eye on over the next few weeks. So, Kieran, there's also another uh, story underneath that, very topical, um, on a national issue. Yes, uh, Martin Walsh uh, has a great story there about um, Court McSherry welcoming the news that uh, they're sort of almost local boy Michal Martin has uh is the new teacher and uh, there's a great picture there of um Mary O'Neill in O'Neill's bar in Butlerstown where Michal is a regular I suppose during his holidays there and the picture has a lovely um she has a point ready for him and there's a seat reserved with his name on it and yes. uh, what's really cute about the picture is that you see that there's a, a sign saying that they don't have wi-fi and we just talk to each other yeah I'm sure now yeah, Tishik on his holidays will be delighted exactly. to know that he's delighted that, with that, yeah. in that one spot. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and then it links, yeah. links the two pages then inside with commentary from local Fianna Fáil reps, uh, people in Court McSherry, all, you know, welcoming his appointment and uh, waiting for the celebration, hopefully, during the summer when he does come back to Court Mac. And I suppose it's about uh, Michal's wife, Mary's um, family background, connections to the area as well. Yeah, and I think since they met in college, she's been dragging him down to West Cork and he's all in love with the place and they have a holiday home here now. So, And there's some other stories. We have a a two-page special on the the Taoiseach's election, including a nice um, piece from Mervyn O'Driscoll, who is the head of school at UCC School of History, just about the whole uh, Civil War politics end of things and, you know, the comments that... um, Michal made about putting the Michael Collins picture beside Dev and exactly, that. So yeah. he, he takes a historian's view of what's been happening and also some nostalgic pictures there of Michal on holidays in Court Mac over the years. Yeah. So moving on then from that, um, 
Kieran, there was an interesting story on page two that we have been covering about this plan for a nursing home in Drimaleague. And the story we had initially was that Irish Water were looking for in excess of one million to connect the nursing home to their um, local sewage treatment plant, which actually was only across the road from from the proposed site. But uh, the developer says, you know, that that's just ridiculous money to connect. And he had a plan himself that he could provide his own facility for about 200,000. But now the council have come back and said they're not interested in him providing his own plant. So as a result of that, he has had to pull out of the deal entirely and pull the plug appropriately enough on the plant because or on the nursing home because of the prohibitive cost of providing link to sewage. So that's a bit of a disappointment there for Germany. Definitely for Germany, yeah. And actually on that same page there, there's a lovely story there by um, Helen Rodello. That happened in Castletown Bear last weekend where they had their first uh, drive-in bingo. And like when things did go wrong, there was a power cut, but yet they persevered and they had a great night and uh, the winner or whoever got full house had to beat their horn and it was all (laughs) transmitted through the radio. But it was a great fundraising success. Brilliant idea. Um, and I also yeah. noticed that um, a lot of the participants were much younger than you'd expect. Yeah, exactly. I think they're getting Bing, younger people interested. Exactly. And they're going to be doing it again in July. And also it's worth noting that in Bandon, there's one on this weekend as well. And it's been sold out. And that's an aid of St. Michael's home in Bandon. So it's becoming the yeah. new. And there's actually another movie. one during Kinsale. Well, there's a drive-in movie during Kinsale. Mo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the whole drive-in thing is becoming very yeah. big. Coming like mini America now in the in the exactly 50s. in the fifties. All of a sudden, so another story that caught my eye was the story about Emma Hurley from Kinsale. She put a really yeah. cool TikTok video up during the week of um, a song that that has all the names of all the countries in the world in it, and she had put a split screen on the video, and one side was countries that Britain invaded, and the other side was countries Britain hadn't invaded, and she jumps in between the two sides depending on the name yeah. of the country. And it's just very quirky. She loves history. Very. She's looking forward to uh, maybe studying it after school. And um, she got 6.7 million, That's million crazy like, views. Crazy. Yeah. So she's a TikTok star as well as everything else. Uh, so that's a nice little story there from... And she works Black in her Centris, local Centra store, doesn't she? She does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very, it's a very yeah. quirky one. And yeah. I think you had a story below it then, Kieran, about the election of the Lord Mayor and Deputy, or oh. County Mayor and Deputy Mayor. Yeah, um, last Friday, yeah. Uh, independent Councillor uh, Mary Lennon Foley from Yall. She was um, elected unopposed as the new County Mayor, and she's only the third female mayor in the county, oh. and probably the first female since 2012. So she spoke about how proud she was to be uh, a female and taking the post. And uh, our Skipperines, Joe Carlin, was nominated deputy mayor unopposed. And councillors had a good, you know, congratulated them. But they said that the two, the pair of them will, will make a formidable team for sure. Well, in the I chamber. suppose both sides of the county are, are well represented. Exactly, yes. Yeah, they they made that point, the east and the west. Mm. Yeah. And uh, it's worth noting that there was no lunch there last Friday for the Hungry <laughs> Press Pack. Because due to COVID-19 restrictions, so we had to go away hungry. Oh, gosh. Imagine <laughs> enduring all that talk. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, 
And another story there that has kind of links to the star is the story of Emer Downing's wedding. Now, Emer is our editor's daughter, but she's been based in Bergamo for a few years as a teacher. And she had been planning a big family wedding. The Downings were all very excited this year about her wedding. But unfortunately, being based in Bergamo, she couldn't have any guests over from Ireland and she couldn't. She had to have a virtual hen party. And she's written a lovely piece there about the wedding and how yeah. they managed it. The small numbers at it. Everyone is wearing masks, including the celebrant. It was held in the city hall in Bergamo. And it just happened then that within days of her filing that copy, she also found out that she had had COVID-19. So there's a little panel piece there about how she's found out in retrospect she had it. She doesn't know when she had it, but it was at some stage, probably in the early um the early um, period of, of the whole COVID yeah. thing in Bergamo because she thinks that she remembers having kind of hay fever, asthma kind of symptoms at the time. So she's not sure, but um, she has had the test. It has come back positive and she has the antibodies as well. So just an interesting piece there for oh, anyone yeah. who thinks may have had it to read about, you know, how she went through that. Exactly, yeah. And um, a piece there, Kieran, on page nine, on Sister Alphonsus. Oh, yeah, Sister Alphonsus. Uh, you know, she's a well-known dra- speech and drama teacher uh, from Bandon. But um, just a piece there about how, you know, she, she has survived two pandemics, the Spanish flu in 1918 and now the COVID. And it's an interesting piece from her friend Esther Siddes, who taught me about how when she was a child during the Spanish flu, that her mother w- uh, would rub Jay's fluid on her stomach. And I think that's that probably saved her from the Spanish flu. Well, of course, we can't. Uh, we we, we can uh, A bit like Trump and, <laughs> and his various bleach um, theories. We better be careful that we're not suggesting suggested that you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. um, but um, she, she wrote a lovely poem, actually, well, about the virus. And uh, uh, Councillor Gillian Cockton read it out at a recent Bannigan Sale Municipal District meeting. And it was just a nice touch to, you know, um, how she felt like during the pandemic or, or during the COVID crisis. Um, and what age is Sister Alphonsus? She, oh, sorry, she's 103. She's <laughs> remarkable. And she's um, up to recent years, she's been still producing the Good Good Friday Passion drama yeah. in St. Patrick's Church in London. Yeah. So she's a form of validity. She sure is. So some other stories then just to watch out for in the paper this week. Um, our political columnist Archon, of course, is having a look at the new government formation, taking a few swipes at the various parties there, particularly the Greens. And also um, our property page, which is always very, very popular, has a lovely house in Collar Road and Skull, which is, I think, one of one of the, you know, must have addresses in West Cork and uh, a beautiful property for sale there. And also in the second section on the Skibreen page, which is our seen and heard page, there's a really nice story about an olive tree and an edible roundabout in Skibbereen. So read all about that there. So thank you, Kieran. And don't forget, if you can't get to the shops, you can subscribe online by going to southernstar.ie and clicking on the e-paper tab. Or call the office on 028-21200 for a postal copy to be sent to you. Neil McCarthy is the Managing Director of Cork Airport since 2012, having come from its parent, the Dublin Airports Authority. An accountant by profession, he is now presiding over Ireland's second busiest airport at one of the most challenging times for aviation in the industry's history. I spoke to him earlier. 
So thank you for joining me, Neil. And you're joined today also by Kevin Cullinan, who's Head of Communications at Cork Airport. So welcome, gentlemen. So, Neil, how are things settling down at Cork Airport this week now since the start of the week? We've had a lot of flights back in the air. So we were open throughout the pandemic. People don't realise that. We had two flights a day generally, one to Stansted, one to Heathrow. They were providing vital connectivity and the only connectivity into the region. We also had air support with a lot of air core traffic, a lot of air sea rescue traffic, Coast Guard. I think you saw some instances where people were airlifted to Cork. So we were open all being on a tiny schedule throughout the pandemic. So to give you a sense of it, uh, during the pandemic, we had an average of two commercial flights per day. Wednesday was four of this week. Thursday was eight. Uh, today is 10. And on Sunday, it's 20. So it's ramping up very quickly. Now, so the airlines are a little bit at a loss in terms of policy. They, they had thought that originally the, uh, the quarantine was going to be announced in terms of changes by the end of June. And that has been put off now to the 9th of July. So th- there's a slight clash between the amount of flight availability and the quarantine arrangement where everyone has to quarantine for 14 days. And the government has signaled they'll uh, publish what's called a list of green routes, which is these air travel corridors where it's safe to go and approved to go on or before the 9th of July. So everyone in the industry is waiting on that. So will the flights ramp up again then once we have our green list, you reckon? Yeah, there's even more to go. So to give you a sense of the number of seats in July at a Cork is 96,000, which is a lot of seats. That goes up to 175,000 in August. So, um, Is that available or, or booked, Neil? Well, that's, that's what's available. Uh, bookings are still quite low because a lot of people are waiting to see what the government says in terms of where you can go and where you can't go, which is to be expected. So that has been signaled by the government. They will publish what they're calling a green list of approved destinations on or before the 9th of July. So today is the third, so we only have a little bit to go. So the airlines are putting in capacity in anticipation of that. Uh, and hopefully that green list will be uh, will overlay well with the list of destinations from Cork Airport. Okay. Uh, Kevin, you uh, launched a nice video this week, I think, of some of the procedures people can expect when they do arrive at the airport. So maybe just talk us through passengers arriving at the front door of the airport and what they can expect now. Yes, so the the passenger journey has changed somewhat. Uh, We've obviously taken a lot of safety and welfare measures at the airport over recent weeks. So at the moment, only passengers with a valid boarding pass should be entering the terminal or if they need somebody to accompany them through the check-in procedure, they obviously can come in as well. Uh, Obviously, everyone should be now wearing a face covering uh, coming into the terminal. They're mandatory on the flights. So from the time you enter Cork Airport to the time you reach your final destination at the other end of your journey, uh, you should be wearing a face covering or face mask. So that's going to be the biggest difference. People then you, will... you can buy one in the terminal, Kevin, can you? Well, we're recommending people come to the, the airport with sufficient numbers for the entire journey because depending on how long people are flying or how many flights they're taking in a given day, um, they may need more than one. Uh, if they have forgotten one, uh, you can purchase them um, from a vending machine outside the terminal or in vending machines in the terminal. But best advice is to come prepared. And certainly from Wednesday, we've been seeing 99% of passengers arriving prepared with uh, everyone in their travel party uh, suitably uh, robed with a face covering. And obviously, once you get inside the terminal, then you're going to see the, the social 
and physical distance markers that we've all become very familiar with in our local supermarkets and a lot of new plexiglass screens to protect our passengers and staff at, at areas like um, the check-in area desks, the security checkpoint, and indeed at the boarding gates. And obviously we're sanitizing the airport uh, on a very regular basis. All the, the touch points within the terminal are being cleaned and sanitized at least every 60 minutes. Uh, and that is a 24 seven operation now within the airport. So the passenger journey has changed. Uh, but the same friendly, familiar faces are there to deliver and help you on your way and give you the world-class customer service I think people have come uh, to associate with Cork Airport. And what about handing over things like passports and that? Everything now is done at a distance, I presume, and, and with the aid of technology, there's no hand-to-hand contact for anything, is there? Or what about it's even if you're, going to be, if you're going to be searched by, by um, security staff? Like how, how, how does that work? So many of those points now have been minimalized or eradicated. So we encourage people to obviously if they have people can do a lot of this in advance of travel at home. They can check in online themselves or download their boarding pass onto their own mobile device, which means then they're in control of their phone at all times. They don't need to pass their phone to anyone. They'll be able to self-scan at check-in, self-scan at security, self-scan at, at the boarding card. And again, Things like touch points such as the self-service checking kiosks, they're being cleaned and sanitized uh, with newfound uh, fogging machines. So a lot of technology has gone into making sure it's that the airport is absolutely safe, clean uh, for our passengers at all time. And then obviously when you're on your return journey, um, you'll be in control of your own passport, presenting that to the officer. Um, and if you are required to um, have that scanned, you'll find that the, the Garda immigration officers of passport control uh, will be suitably gloved uh, and they, they'll be making sure that uh, those touch points are absolutely minimised now to the very bare minimum requirement. And just coming in on that point, Siobhan, we've changed our security processes. Uh, as you know, your bag gets x-rayed, your hand baggage and your check-in baggage gets x-rayed as well downstairs. Uh, and then we do a metal detector test on the person to make sure they've no prohibited articles on them. Uh, so the, the process has been uh, changed to minimize the amount of searches that you have to self-resolve if you alarm. So basically, if you alarm, you just send back to, to, um, to take out whatever is the offending article and present it to the officers. So they're trying to minimize the amount of searches. So let's say you have Buckley shoes and you alarm, you're sent out to sort it out yourself and you put them through the, the X-ray machine if you have something in your pocket, you're sent out. So they, they're, they're trying to avoid having to search for your benefit and for their benefit. Will this slow things down a bit though, Neil? Well, yeah, absolutely will. Um, so uh, the two metres uh, distancing obviously takes um, probably in excess of 50% of our space away. Um, and the changes to the process will, t- will definitely slow things down. However, if you recall, most people are through security in Cork Airport in less than five minutes. So if five minutes becomes 10 minutes, you know, it's still going to be a lot better than what you would see in airports, other airports, you know, the bigger uh, Heathrow, Amsterdam, and so on. So we're in a better position. We have a nice, big, spacious building. It is impeccably clean. I think anyone who uses Cork Airport knows it was clean before COVID. It's doubly clean now. We have friendly staff, so it would be a little bit slower because um, things have changed. You know, if you're not crowded together in a queue, it's a little bit more slow-moving but it's going to be the best airport experience you can get in Ireland. And what about the food element then? Has that changed much? Our food is coming back. So um, 
for two flights a day, there was, you could not pay for restaurants to operate. So therefore, we have an AMT food offering open immediately, expecting WH Smith to open shortly. Our exec lounge isn't open yet because the whole there's change in food arrangements and sit down. Our bar is not open yet, but there is some food element. And as we get busier and busier, it will return. Right. Now, it is a very worrying time for aviation. I think probably, definitely in all our lifetimes, it's probably the, the most uh, critical time for the industry. Like, how do you see long term, how do you see it panning out? Do you think we'll ever get back to, say, 2008 levels? So we, uh, we, well, will we get back to 2019, which is the last unaffected year? Um, right. We get back in, in probably in four years. But this is the biggest crisis aviation has ever faced. You it dwarfs September the 11th. It dwarfs, people probably don't remember, volcanic ash, where you know it. I sure do, Iceland. <laughs> that grounded aviation for a couple of weeks, and then there was a second outbreak, and it grounded it again. So they're in the heavy stakes. September the 11th was big. It was a security issue, and airports had to put in new whole baggage screening equipment on foot of that, and processes were changed around hand search, x-rays, metal detectors, and everything. This is bigger. This is bigger. Um, you did not see the extent of um, liquidations, layoffs, job effects, economic effects from those. So you have to go back to the Second World War in terms of this. So here, Cork Airport will be down 70% on traffic or more. Um, 70% is the figure we're using. Next year, very hard to call. So it, how soon will demand bounce back? That's, that's the experts don't agree on that. But you could be looking at 30% down next year again. Um, so it will take at least four years to go back to 2019 levels. But I suppose we're as well positioned as any airport. We're better positioned than most in that we've got a lot of space. We have really good facilities here. They're nice. They're modern. They're clean. That's a good starting point for getting back. Uh, ultimately, Ireland is an island nation. Um, you know, realistically, how many people are going to use the, the ferries that, you know, we need the, we need the airports for business and for economic and for social connectivity. So Cork Airport is as good, well positioned as any and better positioned than most on the island. And, but it's down to a vaccine. And ultimately, um, this will get better when a vaccine is found and a vaccine is rolled out. Okay, well, that kind of brings me nice to the next question, which I might put to both of you. I you know, the, the medical advice is not to travel unless you have to. So how confident would both of you, maybe you, Kevin, first be to travel yourselves at the moment by plane? Well, we've seen people obviously flying throughout the pandemic uh, for essential reasons. And obviously we needed a lot of Irish people abroad to come back flying through airports like Cork to heed Ireland's call and join the front line on our health service. Um, slowly, you know, you're seeing national borders throughout Europe reopen. And as countries similar to Ireland suppress the curve, what I think you're going to see is people will be able to travel on those green lists that will be announced by government from July 9th next, uh, where there's a similar uh, flattening of the curve across Europe. And, and those safe destinations, I think, you know, you'll be as safe going to those destinations because the curve will be as suppressed as it is here at home. Um, so I think that will give us confidence that, you know, other national governments, other national health services and authorities have made similar strides uh, to suppress the virus. It hasn't gone away and it won't be gone away, as Neil says, until a vaccine is found. Um, but it will be a safe then to travel to those designated countries and destinations. 
uh, as it will be to travel between counties or any part of the 26 state counties in this state. From my perspective, Siobhan, I five kids. We're definitely going on holidays in August. Um, we obviously have to heed government advice. So government advice is only essential travel now up to 9th of July. We're waiting with bated breath to see uh, what uh, countries are on the green list. But if somewhere like Malta, which is available out of Cork, is on the green list, we'll be going there. If somewhere like the Canaries is on the green list, we'll be going there. Uh, I have no issues going to Budapest and Hungary for a weekend break. So I think common sense prevails. It's not really about the airport. I know I won't get an infection in Cork airport i'm happy with our sanitization but i'm not going to go to a destination that is very dangerous um, so we'll wait until the 9th of july we'll see where the government says it's safe common sense overrides everything but i wouldn't endanger my five kids but i'm perfectly happy to fly in august to a safe destination so i'll be looking right. where the government deems safe okay now we've just had a change of administration and we have a green minister in charge of transport so that's a kind of a slightly controversial uh, appointment perhaps so maybe, Neil, first off, how do you think that will affect the industry, having someone who is, you know, trying to reduce carbon emissions in charge of aviation? The government is the government and the minister is the minister and we have to implement government policy. However, I would say that tourism is the biggest indigenous industry in Ireland. People don't realise that. Uh, tourism over took agriculture a number of years ago. Agriculture and food for years were Ireland's biggest industries. Now tourism is. So um, tourism provides jobs in all parts of Ireland. Uh, in, in, it provides regional balance, which certain industries don't in terms of there tends to be a cluster around cities of conventional industry. So if you want to support jobs uh, and you want to support regional development, you have to embrace tourism. And realistically, people are not going to go back to going on ferries and overnight ferries that we all did years ago to Hollyhead and Bostairle Harbour. Certain people will want to travel with cars which have to have aviation. So the future of aviation is greener aviation. And you can do things with biofuels. For example, Ireland could become a centre of excellence in the production of biofuels, which are less, have a less damaging carbon footprint. You can encourage airlines to operate with cleaner planes and newer planes and cleaner plane engines. For example, all the newer planes have substantially less emissions. So, so people immediately default to... to is it going to be taxed and that'll be hugely damaging to Ireland's tourism industry and uh, be hugely damaging to people who need to travel for business as well and um, maybe there's a way to do in terms of encouraging biofuel development making Ireland a centre of excellence encouraging airlines through some rebate scheme to use newer and cleaner plane engines so there's probably a meeting of the ways there where we can still have tourism we can still have travel but it can be greener okay and um just you've mentioned tourism there and I know yourself and Kevin have been very involved in promoting West Cork as a destination. You know, it's mutually beneficial for the airport and for the region. So how are you promoting it now in, in you know, in the face of, of post-pandemic world? Um, do you see opportunities as regards social distancing in West Cork and, and maybe the Wild Atlantic Way is a great example of how you can get out there and, and be safe? We've just spent the last six weeks working uh, with various tourism partners right across uh, the region, including many in West Cork, um, many tourist attractions and hoteliers represented on the Visit Cork Regional Tourism Task Force. And those recommendations have gone to the board of Visit Cork uh, today. And they've fed into also the, the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation Recovery Task Plan for Tourism and indeed the National Tourism Recovery Plan. So I think we in Cork were, were very lucky because we're at a, a critical hinge point 
for both the Wild Atlantic Way and parts of Ireland's ancient east. And certainly we've always worked in collaboration with, with various tourist attractions um, and festivals right across West Cork, including the West Cork Food Festival, which sadly has had to be deferred for this year. Um, but we're, it'll, it'll rebound again, I, I've no doubt, in a, in a new guise and in a new phase. Uh, and we'll always be there to support that across our social media platforms, arrange meet and greets and events in the airport as a showcase uh, to West Cork and, and the wider region. So I think if, ever, if anything, uh, COVID has galvanised um, the tourist interests in West Cork and in Greater Cork to say, you know, we're very much going to be open for business again. We need, obviously, overseas tourists coming in, um, fueling those tourist attractions, filling those hotel bedrooms, uh, eating in those fine restaurants that West Cork is synonymous uh, with. Um, so we will certainly be working uh, probably doubly hard uh, with all of the stakeholders to make sure that that happens and that we can uh, re-emerge from the, the ashes like the phoenix out, out of this crisis. So, as Kevin said, we're really active in tourism. It's probably not realised in the region how active we are in tourism. At 8am this morning, I, I attended a Visit Cork meeting, which these days was done on Zoom, chaired by Jeremani from, from um, who's the chair of Visit Cork with the city uh, CEO, the county CEO, the Hotel Federation and so on. Uh, I attended an ATIC meeting, the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation, again virtually this week. They were finalising their submission to the government's ta- tourism task force. We would invest a huge amount of money as well in marketing Cork overseas as the gateway to the Wild Atlantic Way. And we partner with Tourism Ireland in that. Uh, so a lot of the campaigns uh, that people wouldn't see, but that happen in places like uh, Netherlands, Northern Spain, UK, are actually co-funded by Cork Airport along with Tourism Ireland. So when Swiss visitors wander into a restaurant down in West Cork, they're coming in on Swiss Airlines, which our B2B team have landed it has been marketed in conjunction with Tourism Ireland. Uh, they've been hosted through the airport by friendly staff. So we're, we're, I, I think people realize we're critical to the tourism industry. They probably don't realize the amount of marketing that goes on behind the scenes to make it happen and collaboration. I would say it has improved hugely as well, that the cooperation among stakeholders is very good at the moment. City, county, um, visit Cork, hotels, federation, restaurants, attractions, all pulling together quite well. Everyone is in this crisis together. Um, and I would say relations are good now and uh, improving in terms of marketing Cork. And uh, Seamus Heaney, who people know, is the CEO of Visit Cork, uh, was talking this morning that, that there's a new tourism body being set up in Derry and they've asked to come down and meet Cork to see what are we doing that's doing so well. And uh, Dundalk Tourism has come down to meet him as well to just see what they can emulate. So when you're getting other bodies in other parts of the country coming down to see what are we doing for tourism, we're clearly doing something wrong. Absolutely. Um, now, in an ideal world, where would you go if uh, everything was back to normal tomorrow morning as regards the destinations from Cork Airport? Um, Neil? Uh, good question. Love the question. So it depends what you're doing. So if you're doing a weekend break, uh, London, pick up a show, uh, Paris, uh, all the food in Paris, all the things to do. If you were looking for a family destination, Canaries, hard to beat Malaga. You know, you can do so much in Spain. You can hit the beaches. You can go up the Granada Mountains. And there's loads and loads of good towns. Uh, probably Malta is underrated. Uh, we have Dubrovnik in Croatia as well, uh, again, as an alternative. So it depends. Uh, Budapest is a great weekend destination. So it depends what you're trying to do. I would separate out the weekendy places, the Amsterdams, the Paris, the Londons, from the family breaks, which is going to be involved at beach. 
there's there's an alternative that people don't want to beach. Um, there's center parks. Obviously, center parks in Longford if you want to go stay, staycation. But there's center parks um, in in Holland, uh, so you can fly into Netherlands uh, on our KLM or on our Lingus service and take that, and you can have a different type of family break that doesn't involve um, the beaches. Kevin, over to you. What do you think? Well, I just I think you might have covered every destination from Cork there, Kev, uh, Neil. So I don't know what's left for Kevin. <laughs> Well, I, I had been looking with a young family of heading to um, just south of Barcelona um, to one of the, the, the campsites this year, but sadly that's not an option. And the other thing I was going to do um, later in the year was I was going to head to, to, to Japan, um, but that event has been postponed. But the beauty now with airlines like KLM, Air France and Swiss is that you can do long haul out of Cork over Heathrow, Amsterdam, Paris or Zurich. Uh, and that opens up over 500 destinations in addition to the 50 we normally would have had pre-COVID. So I think there's a mixture there of both the city breaks, your annual holiday, your additional holiday. And not forgetting also, obviously, a lot of people want to visit and revisit family and friends uh, in, in the UK and across Europe after this. So uh, all of those destinations are slowly but surely coming back uh, on the radar as the airlines ramp up their operations during July, August and into September. Okay, and I don't think either of you had much downtime, but if you did have any, unlike the rest of us who had plenty, um, what, what were you doing? Were you, were you watching Contagion and um, films about airports, or were you catching up on... Unfortunately, we're a commercial organisation, we get no grants. So people have this perception that sort of like the bills are paid by some arm of the state. So we're a fully commercial organisation, we get no grants from anyone, and our turnover is 34 million per annum. Our turnover plummeted 99% during the uh, the day the pandemic broke and and since. Uh, all of our contracts with airlines uh, were problematic because all of the arrangements were, were, were changed. All of our contracts with our concessionaires, our food and beverage, our retail concessionaires were problematic in terms of the world had just turned upside down and people are talking force majeure. Uh, and we obviously had to arrange uh, TWSS, the, the, the support scheme for staff. Uh, so this this badge it makes you an essential worker. So I was in unfortunately every single day. I didn't have any working from home. I didn't have any downtime at all. It just turned our business upside down in terms of hotels, or like a restaurant or a pub that was closed overnight. The cash flow was turned off, and we had to just uh, really we're in the starting again. And uh, somebody said to me during the week. It feels like a startup phase, uh, not in terms of like uh, just going down and going back to the way you were. It's like starting a new company again. So we're we're uh, we had to adapt through all that, all the safety measures, all the changes, all the staffing range. Fortunately, we had to let a number of staff go, and we have a redundancy open at the moment. So it has been, I would say, Kevin, a very challenging and traumatic time over the last couple of months. What's your views, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, certainly the management team have been working seven days a week throughout this. And even though um, technically we're on a four-day week, we're still working um, consistently through the seven days. Um, the one thing I have done, which I haven't done probably since my leaving start, is I've gone back to doing a bit of creative writing. Uh, every day throughout the, the lockdown, Neil and I uh, meet up virtually after six o'clock every day, and we've been writing... Um, a daily digest for all our staff. We get emailed out before 8 a.m. every day. So there's a bit of operational updates on what's happening or not happening at the airport, as was the case. Uh, some industry news and some well-being advice as well for staff. So um, particularly on the well-being side, that's creative writing that I wouldn't have done um, for a long, long time. 
uh, and I've actually enjoyed it. Um, it's become fondly known in my house at this stage as the Daily Bugle. Uh, and next Tuesday, actually, will mark the 100th edition of the Daily Bugle. So, uh, um, again, I suppose that's a, it, it's a talent and a skill that, that, that lay dormant for a long time and probably wouldn't have re-emerged. Um, so there is a little glimmer of hope that emanates out of this whole coronavirus. You might um, have a second career there in the in the offing, Kevin, if everything goes belly up. There could be a good book in it, yes. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> I found one is that you need something to get your head out of the constant COVID stuff. So I hadn't fished since I was a kid. I used to love fishing when I was a kid and I hadn't fished for probably 25 years. And there was a fishing rod in the shed. And fishing is one of those things, a bit like golf or rugby or one of those things that if you get back into it, it becomes addictive. So I found myself fishing off the rocks uh, from James's Fort in Kinsale many in the evening and down in Sandy Cove as well. And it's just brilliant to catch a couple of mackerel, a couple of pollock get your head out of the coronavirus and peace and quiet of the waters. Uh, sort of a, a view a bit like is on the wall behind. There's nothing like it. Fabulous. Absolutely. Well, you, you're going to be fishing now for a few more clients, I think, over the next few weeks with the airline. So best best of luck, at, um, both of you, with, with the future at Cork Airport. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Now, this week's uh, music uh, choice comes from the uh, West Cork-based COVID Collective. It's made up of uh, James Downing and Keith Hendricks of The Shrugs, and they bring along different friends to join them on great cover versions. This is their sixth video now during the COVID lockdown, and it's a wonderful version of John Martin's May You Never. And it also features uh, Ben Nichols from uh, Cornish, <coughs> sorry, singing group, The, the Basque Cassels. And uh, I hope you enjoy it.
Thank you for listening to the Southern Star Coronavirus Podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to our podcast, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to another Southern Star Media podcast production. Stay connected to West Cork by subscribing to our e-paper and support local, quality and trusted journalism. Visit www.subscribe.southernstar.ie